0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. It's good to see y'all. If you have your Bibles, open them with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. Well, today is um, the last morning that you'll be hearing me talk about fire for a while. We've been in fire under the tower, season of revival. It started way back on February the 22nd, Ash Wednesday. And people have been impacted by what God is doing. For some, that, that movement of God has been a very joyous and exciting thing. And a welcome thing. For others, it's been a very painful thing. Um, God's moving can be both of those. Jonathan Wood preached this past Sunday on fire through the generations. I came home from uh, spending the better part of a week in revival up Blue Ridge, and I sat down at my computer and put on my earphones, and I listened to Jonathan's message. Really good. Really good. Thank you, Jay Wood. I appreciate you. Um, Every time I hear him preach, I think about, uh, you know, just a few years ago. And I compare where he was a few years ago and where he is now. And I'm amazed by what God is doing in his life. And I appreciate him so very much. Um, Fire through the generations. That's a great thing to think about. Will we pass on the fire? Will we pass on the flame? Will we hand it down to our generations, the generations that come after us? Today I want to talk about fanning the flame. And I want to return one final time uh, to my definition for revival. Real revival is the visible moving of God on a specific group of people in a specific place over an indefinite period of time, changing the lives of those people. As you look at that definition, uh, what I have to do, and I I hope you'll do it too, is I'll look at that definition and I have to ask myself, am I experiencing that? Have I ever experienced that? And I hope that, at least for some of us, the answer is that we are experiencing the moving of God in this place. But revival is a funny thing. Um, It's funny in that it's so rare. Uh, Churches uh, rarely, rarely experience revival. People rarely experience revival. It's so rare, and that makes it funny. The other thing that's funny about it is that once you are experiencing it, it's very gun-shy. Whenever I was uh, a teenage boy... This is kind of odd looking back now because uh, during the fall, my dad would take my brother and me and we had some other friends of ours and we'd go three hours into South Georgia deer hunting. Uh, quite often now, as many deer as I see in South Fulton County and North Coweta County, I, I go home and I say, Daddy, why in the world did you drive us three hours? Come on. There are more deer in South, there are more deer right here on Waterworks Road than there are anywhere else in the state of Georgia. Why did you take us to South Georgia three hours? And he'd always get us up at 3 30 in the morning to go. Listen, you never get up at a time when God's not awake. You never do that. Never do that. Um, so, I remember, though, in those days, you'd get up in a deer stand, and, and there were two things that were just very rare to see one was a deer. They were rare to see, and if you did see them, they, were, they, were, they, would, they, would, they would sense your presence in just a New York minute, and they'd be gone. Another thing that was very uh, unusual to see were wild turkeys. I mean, now we, down here we see deer, and you probably see turkeys. There's a little trio of, of turkeys that hovers near my house, and they'll cross the road, cross Ridley Road, right about the time that I'm coming up the road. It's almost like, ah, oh, here comes the preacher, let's go across the road, But back in those days, it was rare to see them. And if you ever did see them, they were easily shushed away. Revival is that way. It's rare to see it. And once you do experience it, it's easily swished away. And so the question this morning is, how can we keep it? How can we rekindle it? How can we fan it into flame? And that's the uh, subject of the text uh... that we find in second timothy chapter one that i want you to look with me it's uh... paul's last letter he's about to die and he's sending a letter to a young apprentice of his the apprentice pastors named timothy timothy for a while pastored the church at ephesus uh, paul led him to christ uh, paul was good friends with his family Paul, uh, after Timothy was called in the ministry, participated in Timothy's ordination service. So Timothy uh, is someone very important to Paul. Paul has invested himself in Timothy, and he has some final words for Timothy. I'm going to begin with verse number 3 of 2 Timothy 1. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did. With a clear conscience, as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God... For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. The key verse in all of that is verse number 6, where Paul says, I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. What is it that Paul wanted Timothy to fan into flame? What is it? He, he didn't just come out and say it. He, he, he gives some descriptions of it. But he doesn't just come out and say what it is that he wants Timothy to fan into flame. And I think the identification of what it is that Timothy is to fan into flame is significant for us because whatever it is that Timothy needs to fan into flame, we need to fan in the flame. We need to keep kindled. We need to keep on fire. So what is it? That Paul said should be fanned into flame. Well, fortunately for us, Paul, while he doesn't just come out and identify it, he does give us hints that I think can help us to identify what it is that God wants us to fan into flame. The first hint he gives us is this. It is something, whatever it is, it is something that is given, not earned. It's something that has been given to Timothy. Paul says this, he says, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. The gift is a very important word. It's a very important word in the New Testament. It's important with regard to our salvation. I run into people, and you probably do all the time, if you talk with them about uh, where they're going after they die or, or where their, their relationship with God is, they'll say, well, you know, uh, I'm not really... That religious, I don't don't go to church that much, but I'm I'm a good person, or or my friends are good people, and, you know, I just feel like, you know, God's going to recognize that. Well, uh, the, the problem with that statement is, if I think that my goodness, which is debatable, is going to earn me something with God, the thing is, that makes salvation something that's earned, not given, and yet Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says this, For it is by grace that you are saved. It is by grace that you are saved, not from works. It is the gift of God, lest anyone should boast. It's not something that we earn or we merit. It is something that is given to us. And whatever it was that Paul wanted Timothy to fan into flame was something that was given to him. Another hint that Paul gives us, not only is it something that was given, not earned, but it is something that was passed on through the generations. Something that was passed on through the generations. I I love what Paul says in verse 4. He says to Timothy, he says, "I, I recall your tears, and I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. And then he says this, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, and then I saw it in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded, Paul says, that it's in you too. I saw it in your grandmother, I saw it in your mother, and I am convinced that it is in you. You see, you see, whatever it was that Paul wanted Timothy to fan into flame, it was something that had been passed on to him, given by God, but it was passed on through the generations that preceded Timothy. I would imagine that in every church this morning where there's a worship service being held, there are those who are first generation Christians, they can't say my faith was passed on to me through my parents or grandparents. Maybe some of you are in that position. And then also there will be those who could say, man, uh, my mom and dad passed this on to me and their parents passed it on to them. And uh, as far back as I can go that I have records to show my ancestors passed on this faith to us. Paul wants Timothy to fan something into flame, something that was given to him, something that had been passed on to him through generations. And third, it is something that is confirmable by other people. But other people see it in you. Paul said this, again, verse 6. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. That is a weird statement, is it not? Is that not a weird statement? What is Paul saying there? Is Paul saying that when, when Paul laid hands on Timothy, there was something magical in Paul's hands so that the moment that his hands touched the top of Timothy's head, his hands passed along something to Timothy? At first glance, that's the way it looks, but I don't think that's what Paul is saying at all. I think what Paul is saying by, by, by the laying on his hands, he was saying, I, I laid my hands on you, Timothy, as a symbol of the fact that I've seen this in you. I've seen what it is I'm asking you to fan in the flame. I've seen it in your life. That's the same thing we do at a deacon ordination or a pastor ordination isn't it toward the end of that service all of the folks will come around and and the person like every almost every year we'll have a deacon ordination ordaining some guys into our deacon body and at some point in the service those deacons will kneel in the altar here and people will come around in a single file line they will lay hands on this person and they will say a few words or they they will utter a prayer over this person. But by laying hands on that person, we're saying, I affirm you. I have seen God working in you. You see, if there was someone being ordained that we'd never seen God work in, what do we do? Well, we don't lay hands on him. We don't do that. By laying hands on somebody, we're saying, I have seen God work in you. And I affirm you. And Paul was saying, this gift of God that I'm urging you to fan into flame is something that I saw in you. And therefore, that is the reason I laid hands on you when we ordained you. And I still figuratively lay hands on you. Even every day when I think of you and I pray for you and and I, I shed tears for you. It's something that is confirmable. It can be confirmed by other people. About you. What is it? Well, number four, and this is really important, it's something that can lay dormant. It's something that can lay dormant. I used to work in a bank. From 1983 to 1987, I worked at what was then the First National Bank of Atlanta. Later it was swallowed up by Wachovia. Wachovia will watch over you or they'll walk over you what we always used to say. And then Wachovia was, was swallowed up by Wells Fargo. And so now it's Wells Fargo. But for four years, I was uh, worked at uh, a bank. And it always amazed me, every bank that has been in business for any length of time has on its books, dormant accounts. Those are checking or savings accounts that somebody somewhere opened up and they put money into it and they haven't touched it for sometimes five years, sometimes 10 years, sometimes 20 years. And after those books, those accounts uh, stay on the books without being touched, no matter how much money is in them. After they've been on the books for so long, I forget exactly how many years it, 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 it was and the laws have changed somewhat. But let's say it's 15 years after they're on the books for 15 years. And there is no record of anybody touching them, putting money in or taking money out. That money is given to the government. Don't you love that? Oh, yeah. Dormant accounts. Dormant accounts account. It's an account where you have money there and it's not being used. Now, most of the time they're small. They can be, you know, 30, 40, 50, maybe a hundred dollars. But there there when I was working in the first Atlanta in the mid 80s, there were dormant accounts with tens of thousands of dollars in them. And I'm thinking, there ought to be a law, and this is what I was thinking back then, there ought to be a law where dormant accounts go to poor bank tellers. That's what I was thinking. Well, this thing that Paul wants Timothy to fan into flame is something that can lay dormant. Now get this, ladies and gentlemen, there is a gift that God has given you as, if you're a Christian, He's given you as a Christian, and it is in here. It is deep in your heart, and the very prospect that this thing can lay dormant in us is an amazing thought. What is it that God has given you already? It's not a matter of whether he's going to give it to you. He's given it to you. It's within you. If you're a Christian, what is it that's in you that is laying potentially dormant? Not being used for a long period of time. Whatever it was in Timothy, Paul was afraid. Whatever this gift of God was in Timothy, Paul was afraid that Timothy was about to allow it to go dormant. Not only can it lay dormant, but it is something to which attention must be given. He says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. For the spirit of God does not make us timid. He he did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Whatever this gift of God was that Paul wants to fan into flame, it was something that needed attention. So what is it? I think that This that God wanted to fan into flame in Timothy and that He wants to fan into flame in us, I think it consists of a combination of things that I want to leave you with for this message this morning. First off, I believe that it includes your testimony. Your testimony. What is your testimony? It is. It is your story of how you came to Christ, or how Christ came to you and found you. Your testimony. Don't let your testimony lay dormant. Don't let your testimony uh, just lay there without being utilized. It includes your testimony, and it includes teaching. All the things that have been taught to you. Paul says this, he says in verse 13, he says, what you have heard from me. In other words, the teaching that I've given you, what you have heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard, he says, this good deposit. Paul has deposited good sound teaching into Timothy and he wants Timothy to guard that deposit of good teaching. And so he wants him to use his testimony. He wants him to remember the teaching he's received. And then it also includes this gift that God wants to fan into flame in Timothy and in you. It includes spiritual abilities. We would call them spiritual gifts. Some of you have been studying spiritual gifts in uh, Bible study, small group Bible study. Let me just say a couple of things about spiritual gifts very quickly. Number one, every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. Every Christian does. And I don't know of a single Christian who has only one. Most everybody that I know has at least two, if not more, spiritual gifts. And God wants us to fan into flame the gifts that he has given us. How do you do that? You do it by using them. If God has given you a gift of teaching, then teach. If he's given you an ability to uh, worship, then worship. If he's given you the spiritual gift of helping others through encouragement and support, then by all means, encourage somebody and support somebody and do it on a regular basis. Whatever the gift is that God has given you, use it. We're talking about what? Paul wanted Timothy to fan into flame, and we're talking more specifically about what God wants you and me to fan into flame. It's a gift that God has given us. It includes our testimony of salvation and also our testimony of what God has done in us since we were saved. It also includes the teaching and it includes our our, uh, uh, spiritual abilities, abilities that God has given us, but it also includes our faith experiences. I love to hear someone's salvation testimony. I love to hear it. I really do. But it's not enough. I mean, yeah, it's enough to get you into heaven, but it's not enough. I, I, I want to hear not only where, where uh, your, your salvation experience was and, ha- and about it, but I want to hear what God is doing in your life and has done in your life since you got saved. Can you imagine? Somebody having a baby. We love the day a baby is born. Aren't, aren't they just so precious? You know, and we hold them and we oo and ah over them. And the second day, the third day, we're still oohing and aing. And the, the second month and the third month, we're still oohing and awing. But ladies and gentlemen, if we came down to the three-year anniversary to the three-year birthday of that baby, and that baby is still so small that you could almost hold her or hold him in the palm of your hand. Listen, we're not ooing and aahing anymore, are we? Hello? Is the baby still cute? Oh, yeah. Is she still just a, a darling thing to look at? Oh, yeah. Something's not right. Something's not Right. You see, I love hearing about your salvation birth experience that, that day when you were born into the family of God. But if you're still, if that's the only thing that I'm still telling you about, it's like, it's like a 14 year old person who's still about nine and a half pounds in growth. There must be something since our faith experiences. It also includes our faith acquaintances. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. I missed you last week. I was up in the mountains. God is in the mountains. But I missed you because God is in you. God is in you. You are my faith acquaintances. I'm looking over here at Gary Wright. Gary Wright was on the search committee, along with Miss Rebecca Thompson, was on the search committee that called me on a June evening When I lived in Cumming, Georgia on 5790 Bridal Court. And it was Gary who called me and said, we received your resume from uh, a friend of yours and we'd like to come talk with you. And I said, no, you really don't. And it was a long conversation that I don't really want to get into, but I said, you really don't. Mr. Wright said I didn't know any better. I called him Mr. Wright then. <laughs> Boy, that tells you that tells you where I was, Mr. Wright. Woo. I said, Mr. Wright, you you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. He's he said, well, let me tell you what we know about you. Remember that, Gary? He knew more about me than I knew about me. As long as I have good mind, I'll never forget that conversation. It's part of my faith acquaintances. And it includes faith struggles. Don't let anybody ever tell you, and don't you and I ever tell anybody, that following Christ is like walking through flowers all the time. Oh, there are times when we're walking through flowers. But if anybody ever tells you that being a Christian is a trouble-free, pain-free, pie-in-the-sky, by-and-by, no need to wonder why. Just kick them right, right, yeah, there. (laughs) Because they don't know what they're talking about. Faith is a struggle. It's the struggles. When Gary called me, I was at the tail end of a struggle. When Palmetto Baptist Church called me, I was at the tail end of a struggle. And and, and when what God does in you in the midst of a struggle is what you will remember for all of your life. And all of those things, Timothy's testimony, the teaching that Paul had injected into him, Timothy's abilities, his spiritual abilities given by God, His experiences in the faith, his acquaintances in the faith, his struggles with the faith. All of these things, Paul says, take them in one big bundle, Timothy, and fan it in the flame. Don't let the fire go out. Take the mason jar over the candlestick. And get some air. I think it's amazing. Do you think it's amazing that Paul thought it possible that Timothy was about to let his fire go out? Is that not amazing? Paul was afraid that Timothy was being tempted to let his fire go out. And so he said to him, You need to fan the embers, Timothy. Fan the embers. Amanda doesn't like it during the winter whenever I fan the embers of the fireplace. We'll have a fire in there and fire start going down. And uh, we'll have the embers there and I'll put some more wood on the fire and it's a little slow. And so I'll get right up close to it. I'll blow on it. You know why she doesn't like that? Oh, it works. I mean, the fire will come up but. It blows ashes all over the living room. Yeah. So she doesn't like that. But let me tell you something. When you fan the flames of your faith, the the flames of revival, God likes it. And you will too. You will too. Paul was afraid Timothy was going to let his fire go out. Will you let your fire go out? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, what concerned Paul about Timothy, I believe concerns you about us. You've given us a salvation that is free. And Lord, perhaps there's someone in this building right now who has never even received your salvation, never even asked the Lord Jesus to come into their heart. Lord, I pray that someone this morning would come and say, I want Jesus in my heart. Lord, for the rest of us who are saved, Lord, we have a testimony. Lord, help us to look at that testimony and look at the teaching that's been poured into us and to look at our faith struggles and our faith experiences and our faith acquaintances and everything that you have put together in that big bundle that we call our own faith life. And God help us to fan it into flame. Lord, we need revival worse than anything on the planet. We need revival. And so Lord, when you start it, help us not to cover it up and let it die. Help us to fan it gently so that it will thrive. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.